0: Good evening, and welcome to another installment of Midnight Audio Theatre, the weekly show where we feature new and original audio dramas, be they adventure, mystery, sci-fi, or comedy. I'm your host, Kathy Ranella. Well, it's been a rainy day here in Columbus, Ohio, the kind of weather that can make a person feel a bit dreary. But not to worry, we have some audio dramas to perk you up for tonight, including another premiere from our MAT Features Collection of 2017. This week, we're bringing you a story by Evan Waters, one of our winners from last year's script competition. It's entitled, They Slipped the Bonds of Earth. The story is voiced by a fantastic group of actors that love the script so much that they might just get their wish of performing this live one day, if we can swing it. And a special thanks goes out to the evening staff at WCBE for providing some of the background cafe-goers that you might hear if you listen close enough. After that, it's a story from the Dakota Ring Theater Summer Showcase series, penned by Tim Prassel as he ponders the consequences of the do-over in Plotting for Perfection. Now, before we go to our stories, a quick reminder that the winners of our scriptwriting competition for this year will be announced on our website tomorrow. That's Saturday, February 24th. We'll make a Facebook post when it's up, so keep your eyes peeled on our page, and best of luck to all of our participants. And as many of you know, the winning scripts from the competition will be produced for airing on Midnight Audio Theatre which means that audition time is right around the corner for folks living in the central Ohio area. If you want to be one of our star voices in these winning audio dramas, there are two ways that you can audition. First option is in person. On Saturday, March 3rd and Sunday, March 4th, we will be at the German Village Meeting House at 588 South 3rd Street in Columbus from 10 a.m. till 5 p.m. You're welcome to prepare a monologue or read lines from this year's scripts. We will be sitting in with the Actors Theatre of Columbus as they hold tryouts for their summer season in the park. So let check-in know that you're there for audio drama, and we'll be sure to get you all sorted out. If you can't make it to the live auditions, there's also option two, by email. We'll be looking for your contact information, your availability for April and May, and a sample recording. You'll be able to find all the audition info and full requirements for email submissions soon after our script competition winners are announced. The deadline to email us will be Saturday, March 10th at 11 p.m. Central Time. Again, look at our audition page at theater.com over the weekend for more details. Now that we've thrown all of that information at you, it's about time for some stories. We have Decoder Ring Theaters Plotting for Perfection coming up, but first, the premiere of They Slipped the Bonds of Earth by Evan Waters. Enjoy.
1: recognize this place.
2: We're not far from the launch site. That was my mistake. Someone's bound to come.
1: Hopefully we won't need very much time. How's the H-1?
2: Crash didn't have any effect on it, but we won't know until we get it out of the ship.
1: You're sure it won't work inside?
2: No. But I want to be sure. I think we're only gonna get one chance at this.
1: Right. I'll get my tools. You get the H-1 unfastened. Roger that. And if somebody does come...
2: Don't worry. Nobody will interfere.
3: Dr. Anker?
4: Over here, yes. Uh, Sarah? Uh, Sarah... Jenkins. <sighs> you found me pretty quickly.
3: We don't get a lot of strangers.
4: Please, sit down. I ordered us some coffee. I don't know how you like it. That's fine. Thank you for agreeing to meet with me, Ms. Jenkins. When I called your paper, I didn't mm. hold out much hope that anyone would be interested.
3: Lucky I picked up the phone. My editor thinks I'm reporting on the opening of fishing season.
4: Oh, am I keeping you?
3: I had that piece written two weeks ago. Oh. So, you're with the Kelvin Private Space Project? yes. So, this...
4: Definitely has something to do with that noise we all heard an hour ago.
3: That was a crash?
4: Uh, a premature landing.
3: But you knew it was coming, that's why you called.
4: The Kelvin self-launching capsule is programmed for a slow descent. I was monitoring the flight when I noticed they had activated the re-entry protocol. Communication had already been cut off, so my only option was to meet the capsule at their new landing site.
3: Your only option... Where's everyone else? Where's the rest of the recovery crew?
4: Uh, this is off the record.
3: I didn't even start recording.
4: I'm no longer acting on behalf of the Kelvin Private Space Program, the Kelvin Corporation, or any associated entities. I saw the change in the capsule's trajectory before anyone else noticed. I was able to explain it away as a fluctuation, and then I made my way down here.
3: Why? You can't not tell me. The story is going to get out one way or another. <sighs> they had to notice when the ship started crashing.
4: I, I think I have to tell you what this was all about. When we publicized the launch, it was all about the capsule, mm-hmm. the lightest, most energy-efficient way to achieve low Earth orbit.
3: I know you were pushing the environmental angle. Space launches being too wasteful, greenhouse gas effect, etc.
4: Well, to say nothing of the economics.
3: I'd always wondered about that took something like 2,000 metric tons of fuel to launch the space shuttle?
4: <laughs> and you'll notice we don't have space shuttles anymore. It's all about gravity, the tyranny of nature. That's what the mission was about. There was something on board, a machine I built. The H-1. What's the H-1? It's a prototype, based on my theories of quantum state manipulation. Simply stated, if gravity is caused by objects with mass causing curvature to spacetime, this device can manipulate, even eliminate those curves.
3: So it's an anti-gravity machine?
4: Uh, gravity control, I like to call it, yeah, at least in theory. What this machine does is so sensitive that I could never risk testing it close to the ground, or in an atmosphere. Low Earth orbit isn't truly weightless, it's more like freefall, but it is an isolated enough environment that I felt comfortable giving the H1 its first test there.
3: Why didn't you go along?
4: I failed the physical. Oh. I monitored the experiment, though. We had audiovisual communication. I was guiding them every step of the way. Then, on the device's first real test, we lost contact.
3: Do you have any idea what could have happened?
4: The device was starting to work. Diana, uh, Johansson, she was one of the two. She set it to try and actually induce a gravitational pull at the bottom of the craft. Artificial gravity, as it were. Good for avoiding the long-term effects of weightlessness. The H1 was running. Several objects they had placed in its area of effect were starting to settle, fall slowly. It affected David and Diana, too. Their feet just hit the floor as the transmission went out. I didn't check the menu. Why?
3: We're going to the crash site. Twenty ought to cover it. Before
4: we go anywhere...
3: I don't think we should waste any time. If there's anything to tell me, you can do it on the way.
4: At least we should take my car.
3: No way am I following a stranger to a second location.
2: Aren't you ready yet?
1: Patience. We have to be precise. There. That takes care of the power coupling. You're sure the ship's
2: battery will hold? Plenty of power left. Coming home early was the right decision.
1: Well, I'll still need some time to set up the program, and for the computer to process it. We're wrong.
2: We're not wrong. You and I both saw the same thing.
1: I'm just saying, as a scientist... I think we need to consider all options.
2: There isn't time. If anyone knew what we wanted to do, they wouldn't let us near this damn thing. It has to be now.
1: It'll still take time. What's that?
2: Someone's headed our way.
1: Why is he running his sirens? We're the only ones here.
2: He wants us to know he's coming.
1: This could be a problem.
2: You're quite right. Leave it to me. Continue your work.
4: Did you hear that?
3: I think everyone in town did.
4: Uh, No, not the explosion. Just before that. I really hope it wasn't the H1.
3: You know, Dr. Ancrum, I get the feeling that despite all you've told me so far, there's still something you're holding back. Well,
4: Why would I do that?
3: Hey, if I were pouring out scientific secrets to a no-name reporter for a paper with a circulation lower than my credit score, I wouldn't tell them everything either.
4: So you're saying you don't trust me?
3: Why don't you want anyone from Kelvin involved? I'm taking a very big risk in assuming you're telling me the truth. So if there's any kind of danger... I was
4: hoping I could get to the H-1 before they did. Kelvin had been pushing for ground tests. I kept trying to get them to understand how dangerous it might be, but to them it's just a new gadget.
3: And if they do try to test it on the ground, something that alters the curvature of space and time... If I
4: get to the machine first, I'll take out the motherboard. That should stop them for a while. Oh, we're we're getting close. Close to what? The crash site. I've got it on GPS. Can this thing go off-road?
3: I hope so. Oh,
4: uh, just a little bit more to the northwest.
3: I see the smoke rising. My God.
4: That's not the castle.
3: Uh, patrol car out here. What do you think happened?
4: We should stop here.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. I can't see anything from here.
4: The capsule should be over that ridge. Move silently.
3: Silently? Dr. Ingram, what is going on here?
4: I only have a theory. Let's just keep moving. A theory? We may not have very much time. Damn! Is that the H1? Yes, they're powering it up. You said that if they test it on the ground. There's no telling what will happen. What has already happened? Look what they did to that car! I've got to stop this. You stay back. David!
3: Diana! What are you doing? Stay back? Just stay put. Very good idea. I'm not gonna do it. But it is a good idea.
2: Dr. Ankram! Is that really you?
1: Where's the rest of the rescue team?
4: They're not coming. I haven't let them know you're back yet. I see. Very clever. What happened? Why do you have the H1 running?
2: You know there's a reason we never tested it on the ground. Don't be afraid, Joseph. Everything is under control. We'll be ready soon.
4: Something's not
2: right. We're continuing the experiment. You should join us. The H1 does work, Joseph. Better than you could have imagined.
1: It's changed
2: us. We see things differently now. And, and we can do things we couldn't do before. The patrol car. Was that, was that you? I'm sorry if it upsets you. But things are going to change very soon.
1: For your own safety, we must ask that neither you nor your friend interfere. I
2: I don't know who you're talking about. It's all right, Joseph. We can see her. We saw you coming from miles away. What are you going to do? When we used the H-1 in orbit, it didn't just alter the curve of space-time. It opened a rift between dimensions. We saw the gravitational forces of the universe and became... Attuned to them. You saw what I did to that car. All it took was a wave of my
1: hand. It's... it's had an unusual effect on our minds. We can perceive gravity now, almost see it around us. We've been able to work out what would happen if we used the machine on the ground.
4: It would open the same rift on the Earth. Expose everyone to what you felt.
2: Wouldn't that be for the best? Logically, it's a superior state of being. It's power. Shouldn't everyone share in that power? Not until we know
4: what it is, how to handle it, how to use it responsibly. This could
1: be a power source for the entire world. Further experimentation in orbit would be useless. It has to be done here, closer to the center of the gravity
4: well.
2: You've both gone mad. This isn't science! You won't stop us. The process has already begun and we could cut you down if you tried to interfere. We've
1: taken every precaution, please. We want you to share in this. This is your achievement more than ours.
2: The computer's almost ready. All we have to do is repeat the experiment. Increase the local gravity by one G over a period of one minute and and then we change the world. Another one? We let her out of our sight. Sarah, no! Stop! Go away! Get down, Diana! David, not again! (laughs) No! Damn you! Stay back, Joseph! You're a murderer, David! Self-defense!
1: We were in no danger, David. I got out of the way.
2: The experiment cannot be jeopardized. We agreed on this!
1: Well, maybe I'm not so sure. Maybe Ankram is right. Seriously, what are we talking about? You know what you saw. I saw it too. What I saw was real, yes. And maybe it would work. But there's a time and a place and...
2: What is it? What are you... Of course, she's alive. Alive? You mean...
1: Sarah! Let him go! Take your hands off me! We're not in danger now!
4: Sarah! Sarah, are you all right?
3: I got out of the car. I guess hiding was a waste of time.
4: You heard what they're planning to do.
3: The thing that you specifically said they shouldn't,
4: yes? The problem is, I don't know if there's any way to stop them. Mm.
3: Let me go!
1: We're safe, David? Can't you see that? There's nothing they can do to harm us. I've got to be sure! You are going mad.
2: And maybe I am too. It won't matter now. The experiment is ready to begin. I've still got to tell the H1 to execute. (laughs) No matter. Doesn't take a scientist
1: to press a button. You wouldn't know which one.
4: We've got to do something. Stay back. I think if I can make a run for the power supply...
2: (gasps) There. You see? It's underway. Look again. Local radius? Six meters?
1: Program inversion? When you murdered the patrolman, I knew I needed a contingency. I set this program as a
2: default. What will it do?
1: It'll open a rift, as before, but it'll contain the effect to the area around the machine.
2: And the both of us, of course. You mean mean we'll be pulled in? It'll self-destruct. We're just going somewhere we belong. I, I don't think we fit in this world. You call me crazy when you're, you're uh, committing suicide. You're let go of me.
1: Yeah. Maybe the experiment would have worked, but I don't think we have the right to force this onto others. No. It'll all be over no, soon.
4: can't see anything. Are they-
3: They're gone, Doctor. Along with the H-1 and looks like part of the ship.
4: And what about us? Are we? Oh. Do you feel any different?
3: Mm, A little bruised, maybe?
4: Well, I certainly don't think I can see gravity waves. This was my fault.
3: You couldn't have foreseen this.
4: I rushed forward. I I didn't take all the proper precautions. The thrill of the discovery was such that I... I got careless. And they paid the price.
3: We probably don't want to be found here.
4: How far was it back to town? Five miles or so?
3: There's a truck stop closer. We'll figure out the rest from there.
4: Lead the way, then.
3: Look, Doc... Joseph, whatever happens, I think there's something you should know.
4: And that is?
3: I am holding you personally responsible for the cost of that sedan. (laughs) Fair enough. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: They Slipped the Bonds of Earth was written by Evan Waters and produced by Katherine Ranella. The story is featured as part of the MAT Scriptwriting Competition Winners Collection of 2017, featuring the voice talents of Christina Yoho as Diana, Eric McLawlin as David, Beth Josephson as Sarah, and J.T. Walker as Dr. Ankrum. Music provided by Kevin McLaud as permitted under a Creative Commons license. Foley work performed by Christina Yoho. Additional sound effects provided through SoundSnap and freesound.org. The executive producer is Dan Michalko. This has been a Meridy Media Midnight Audio Theatre production.
5: A few notes from the Dakota Ring Theater mailbag. Remember to stay tuned to the news page at dakotaringtheater.com for updates on the upcoming Guest of Honor gig at MuseCon in Chicago, not to mention our full slate of novels, ebooks, and apps for your dining and dancing pleasure. If you follow Dakota Ring Theater on Facebook and you haven't been getting updates, sadly it isn't something I can control on our end. Check in on the page and leave a comment or a like for something and that should restore us to your news feed. And in the dedication department, happy birthday to Rachel S. from Devon C. Congratulations, you've survived another year and remember you're beautiful and smart. Something nice for us all to remember. You're all beautiful and smart, darn it. A space. A place. Infinite. Endless. As far as the eye can see, row on row of shelves. On every shelf, side by side. Boxes. Within each box, a puzzle, a person, a universe. Endless worlds of the imagination all held within these marvelous boxes. Marvelous Boxes, an anthology series of tales for the active mind. This week, plotting for perfection.
6: Okay, let's try this again. Let me know if there's too much vermouth in this one. (sighs) Sorry. Uh, I'm just a, you know... Perfectionist? (laughs) I've been called a lot worse. Yes, that's much better. Good. This is your first time here? Uh, yeah, I
5: I don't usually go to bars by myself, but, uh... But what? Something strange is...
6: Well, here, take a look at this. What do you see? Hmm, some guy around 60 or 70, spiffy like yourself. (laughs) Oh, he even looks like you a lot like you. (laughs) Your grandfather, I'm guessing? No. No. Here, give it back. It's too hard to believe. I barely believe it myself. But now I'm curious. What's that writing on the side of it? Uh, Okay. I I don't know quite where to start this story. Um,
5: Let me, uh... Let me start by saying I'm a professional photographer, and I sometimes do freelance work for a company that publishes books about science. They're publishing one about light, written by a quantum physicist, and and they hired me to take the author's portrait for the cover. Okay. I thought it would be neat to take the picture of the physicist looking up at the stars and the moon. Get it? Because the book's
6: about light. Got it. So, to get away from the bright lights of Beantown, I arranged to meet her up in Medford. Wait a second. Her? Yes. The physicist's name is Beth Marzik. Ah, so it's just you and her under the stars, eh? It wasn't like that. Well, ma- maybe it was. Anyway,
5: I started talking to her about light. For instance, I told her I'd once heard that if you could rocket to a distant planet in the snap of a finger and look back at Earth with a super telescope, you could watch yourself taking off. Is that true?
7: In theory, if you landed before the light rays showing the takeoff arrived...
5: So... traveling at the speed of light and looking back at Earth would give you a still photograph?
7: <laughs> yeah. Basic Einstein. In fact, the faster a body passes through space, the slower it appears to pass through time. Moving at the speed of light would make the body stand still. At least relative to Earth time.
5: On uh, what if the body moves faster than light?
7: Now, that's a toughie. Would moving faster than light send a body backward in time? Of course, some say that running makes the body feel younger. <laughs> Sorry, physics joke. All we know is that it would take too much energy to make matter move as fast as light.
5: Well, then what if you sent light back in time? Could you, you know,
7: accelerate light itself? Well, for years, we thought the answer was no. The speed of light was supposed to be a constant. But now, there's a guy at the University of Washington who says he might be able to send light back in time. Retro-causality, we call it.
5: It's not impossible, then? A look-up, please.
7: I would say it's very... tentative. But let's talk about your job now. Why so many pictures?
5: Oh, difficult lighting conditions. I'm trying a bunch of exposures so we can go with the best one.
7: Ah. The difference between science and art. Hmm? Hmm? Well, each scientific discovery is just another step in the process. But a piece of art, that's permanent. It must be made perfect.
5: Very perceptive. You've given this some thought.
7: I've always had a weakness for art. And a weakness for artists.
8: Really? She flirted? A scientist? I guess. And did you flirt back? No. Uh,
5: don't get me wrong. Beth is pretty spectacular. She's attractive in a sort of fashion-be-damned way. Smart, obviously. Funny. Not too geeky.
8: But you didn't flirt back. Uh,
5: I'm getting over a breakup with another woman. Linda.
8: Well, that's funny. I cut your hair every other week, and I don't think you've ever mentioned this, Linda. In fact, you seem to be unusually chatty today.
5: I guess I just need to talk to someone.
8: Is it short enough on the top?
5: Uh, maybe just a
8: teeny bit shorter.
5: Eighth of an inch or so.
8: Eighth of an inch? <laughs> you always know exactly what you want. So, talk to me about Linda.
5: Uh, well, uh, we had a uh, six-month romance. Um, she'd probably call it a fling. Uh, anyway, she decided to move back to Los Angeles. There's a, a former fiancé. She's going to give it another try. Linda is mentioned in the photograph I showed you. What? You put it by the hairdryer.
8: Oh, Yeah. Oh, look at that. It's like someone put a note beside a picture, then took another picture of them both.
5: Exactly. And read the note.
8: Wow, that's really nice handwriting.
5: Go ahead, read it.
8: My biggest regret is that I didn't follow Linda. How would things have been different? Instead, we marry Beth. So are you telling me that... What are you telling me?
5: After the photo shoot with Beth, I started to think about what she said... Matter can't go back in time by moving faster than light, but if light itself could be accelerated, even if only a bit, would it go back in time? If that could be done at some point in the future, we could catch that light on photo paper here in the present.
8: So this is a picture of Okay, it does look like you, but it's it's photoshopped, right?
5: I set out some photo paper in my dark room. I got a light-triggered buzzer to let me know if anything happened. It didn't take long before that photograph showed up.
8: You're serious?
5: That's a picture of me. The future me. Me at the end of my life, filled with regret.
8: Huh.
5: You're not the first to doubt it.
8: Uh, Go on with your story. Have you seen Beth again? I mean, according to the note, you're going to marry her.
5: I saw her this morning. I had a meeting with her and one of the publishers. His name is Ryan Loomis, but in my head I always call him Ruin Looms. He's a hard sell when it comes to photographs. (sighs) Now, don't get me wrong, Brent. They're very pretty pictures, but all this mood. Scientific readers look for credibility. They prefer flat H2O to sparkling champagne. We can go with the shot Beth's university sent over. Really, sir? A faculty photo? You do realize those are the real stars and moon that Beth was really looking at?
7: I can vouch for that, Ryan. I like these pictures a lot.
5: We wouldn't hire Brent if he didn't do good work. But, Beth, this is your first book. We need to play it safe.
7: Ah, I understand.
5: Thank you, Brent. I'll let you go now. Charges for spec, of course. Very well. I appreciate your time. Nice to have seen you again, Dr. Marzik.
7: Likewise. Oh, uh, Brent? Can I walk you out? You and I are done, too, aren't we, Ryan?
5: Uh, actually, there are a few more decisions we need to make.
7: Oh, I'll agree to whatever you decide. It's my first book, after all. Oh,
5: but there are several <laughs> things... Yes, come w-
7: on, Brent. Uh, let's go. Get some coffee.
5: Uh, okay.
7: Do you want the door closed, Ryan?
5: But, Beth, there are also forms for you to... <laughs> Wow. That was interesting.
7: Yeah. You know what members of the scientific community call guys like Ryan Loomis? What? Jerks! Where's the (laughs) elevator in this joint? I saw a coffee place on the corner, if you have the time.
5: Uh, The uh, elevator's just up ahead here. Uh, Yeah, I have time for coffee.
7: I really do like those pictures. Could I buy them?
5: (laughs) You can have them. The publishing house pays for materials and my time.
7: Neat! But, uh... But that's not really why I wanted to talk to you. Oh? You know, most scientists actually do prefer H2O. I'd rather have champagne, though. And real moonlight and stars. And I happen to notice that you have no wedding ring.
5: Oh, uh... Uh... Looks like I'll be getting back together with someone. Or... Trying to...
7: Oh, I... I
5: mean to say I'm not really sure if I'm available.
7: I see. I was just... Uh, don't
5: get me wrong. You're very attractive and interesting. It's
7: fine. I I just wondered. Thank God. Here's the elevator. Let me push the... Uh, or you can.
5: Uh, sorry. Uh, I, um... This other relationship is, uh, uh... was really uncertain. Would you like to
7: exchange numbers, or... Probably not if you're involved with somebody else, but let me say this, you know what university I work at, and in what department, my number there is online.
5: That sounds fair.
7: Well, having coffee together should be awkward, huh?
5: Uh, uh, Would you rather we didn't?
7: Oh, we have to now. I can't go back to Ryan's office. Did you see how rudely I left back there?
5: Well, good. I I, I have something I want to discuss with you. It involves light. It was over coffee that I gave her the idea about the light accelerator. I certainly wouldn't be able to invent it, but apparently she will at some point in the future. I see. When I got back to my studio, the buzzer was going again. I got another photograph. Here, this is it.
9: That's a lovely wedding picture. And, yes, the groom certainly looks a lot like you. Me, at about
5: 40 years old. That's Linda. I'm marrying. The note is longer this time. Read it.
9: All right. Excuse me, but, again, your handwriting is... Yes,
5: Father, so I've been told. It's meticulous.
9: Downright monastic. (laughs) But let's read the note. The move to Los Angeles is successful, eventually. Linda first chooses her other love. That marriage slowly deteriorates. She catches her husband, cheating on her while I stood on the sideline. Fifteen stormy years. What if I had spent some of those years with Beth, but without marrying her? We stay in touch, and Beth ends up alone.
5: This time, the future me wants me to spend some years with Beth, then go out to California when Linda's marriage starts to fall apart.
9: That doesn't seem very fair to Beth.
5: I agree, but I haven't spent 15 stormy years waiting for Linda. Not yet.
9: Father, do you believe any of this? Well, uh, I admit it wouldn't help if I knew you better. How long did you say you've been away from the church?
5: Uh, it's been a a good ten or twelve years. Uh, I apologize for that.
9: You're hardly the first to return to the Lord when there's a crisis at hand.
5: It gets worse, Father. A lot worse. Go on, then. Once I got that second picture, I called Beth at the university. Somehow, I convinced her to go out with me. But then the buzzer went off again. The third photograph came with a note about how I would regret never having children.
9: Uh Uh-huh. You keep trying to revise your life. You do realize that no life is perfect, right? Yeah, well, you might be trying to convince
5: the wrong person of that. Uh, Anyway, I then figured, hey, I'm still in my 20s, I can find someone else, right? So I called Beth back and left a message cancelling our plans. You didn't. And the buzzer went off again. Without Beth or Linda, I end up leading a life of short-term relationships and ultimate loneliness. So when Beth called back telling me to stop being a jerk and just have dinner with her,
9: I said yes. She is a remarkable woman. Dinner that evening was spectacular, but when I got home... Another message from the future?
5: Exactly. My time with Beth is so spectacular I wind up marrying her, but I never forget about Linda. Oh, dear. Then came messages about decisions I know nothing about, such as taking the job of chief photographer at Beth's university. I started to wonder who I was, or, oh, rather, when was me... I needed someone to help me figure it all out. Beth seemed like a good choice, but i had already made so many decisions that affected her fate. And is there any fate, any predestination, or any master plan
9: at all? Free will can feel overwhelming at times. Is this when you decided to come talk to a priest?
5: Not quite. The buzzer kept buzzing like my life was a game show, and I kept getting the answer wrong. Finally, I got a photograph of myself, bent all out of shape. Here, it's... It's this one. It took me a moment to realize that it was a picture of me reflected in the bell of a tuba. I had taken a close-up at a Memorial Day parade, and half my face appeared in the shot. And I see there's another note. Yes, a very scary one. My future self had decided I was looking at the wrong triangle. It wasn't about me choosing between Beth or Linda. It was about Linda choosing between me and her fiancé. The message beside that picture tells all about him. There's his name, where he works, and a well-drawn plan.
9: Dare I ask about this plan? For a flawless murder. Wait. There is no such thing as a flawless murder. Even if you get away with it in this life, The photograph in the tuba has enough
5: details in it to prove I was in Boston on Memorial Day, not in Los Angeles. There's a for-sale sign in the background, and the tuba player will be able to track him down. But I don't take this
9: picture until next Memorial Day, see? I think so. But... But you don't want to commit that murder. That's why you came here. Because you, the present you... Are not that desperate. And that's what you have to focus on. But I don't want to end up with regrets. Everyone has regrets. We all make decisions, and I sometimes wonder about my vow of celibacy. What was I thinking? But we cope. We find the strength. I only have this one life. I should try to get it right, right? Murdering a man because you covet his wife is not how to make your life right.
5: Yeah. I know that. Yeah. That's what I needed to hear. I've been feeling very... I've been feeling very out of sync lately. Uh, I guess I just needed someone to talk to. Do you have many friends? Oh, no, not really. I uh, work alone. Um, I tend to put people off because of uh, how I am. (laughs) Linda was who I talked to, and she... Well, you know.
9: Always, always, always feel free to come to me. And think about coming back to church. You'll meet a lot of supportive friends here.
5: Maybe that's a good idea.
9: But assure me that you've decided against committing that murder. It's perhaps the most wicked sin of all.
5: I hear what you're saying, Father. Thank
9: you. You're very welcome. And now I have to be open and honest with you. This has been quite a conversation. And in all the excitement... I'm afraid I've completely forgotten your name. Oh,
5: it's, uh,
9: Ryan. Ryan Loomis. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming. Please don't forget what I've said here.
5: I won't forget, Father. I'll do my best to, uh, you know, resist perfection.
7: Brent? How do you feel?
5: Where Where are my pictures?
7: What? Oh, you're not at home. You're in the hospital.
5: Hospital. Why?
7: It was your heart. Didn't I tell you to work on stress management? Didn't I tell you that?
5: Um, how am I uh, doing?
7: They did all they could to repair the damage. You'll be fine. I'm sure you'll be fine. You're only in your fifties. No one dies in their fifties anymore.
5: I don't feel fine. Don't be a jerk. Tell me the truth.
7: <laughs> you'll be fine. They said it's uncertain. I could call in the nurse. They they can give you something to put you back to sleep. Oh, I get it.
5: No. No, I don't want to sleep. Beth, I have to tell you something. I need you to hear my confession.
7: To hear your confession? Do you need me to get a priest? No,
5: I I meant to say.
7: I know you were raised Catholic. Listen,
5: no. I tried talking about this to a priest years and years ago. I'd only lie again. I need to tell you. It's about the light accelerator. You're going to figure it out.
1: This isn't the place to. You'll figure
5: it out. I know. In six years. I know this because I've gotten messages from the future. Messages to help me make things turn out right, and. I did a terrible thing.
7: I'm confused, Brent. What are you saying?
5: The light accelerator will let me send messages back in time. I got the first one not too long after we first met. Remember? Do you remember that I said I might be getting back together with someone? Barely. I loved her a lot. We had a plan. Not... Not her and me. The future me and me. It was supposed to help me win her back.
7: It's the anesthetic. You're groggy. And you had a dream. It wasn't a
5: dream. It was shameful, sinful, wicked. She was going to marry someone else, and I went to California to stop it.
7: You never told me about going to California. I
5: never told anyone this part of the story. I called her fiancé. I figured out a way to meet him without Linda. That's... The other woman, without Linda knowing, I told him not to mention it to her.
10: Don't mention it to Linda? But you just said you two know each other from Boston. I'm confused.
5: Well, we were more than just friends. We were very close. Listen, I'm only in town for Memorial Day. Can I buy you a drink somewhere?
10: Uh, I think I see where this is headed. Yeah, I guess we should meet. Uh, Linda's down the coast with her family for the holidays, so it works out. I know of a Hollywood bar called The Confidant. Think you could meet me there? The Confidant? That place's still there. neighborhood's gotten pretty seedy.
5: Uh, It's one of the few places I know out here.
10: Okay, uh, yeah, I'll meet you at uh, 7.30, let's say.
5: Beth, I tricked him into meeting with me. Meeting at a bar that I had chosen very carefully. But what I want to explain is that when I was with Linda, well, she wasn't the only one I was with, if you know what I mean.
10: Yes, I think I do.
5: And I'm very sorry, but it would be wise for you both to go see a doctor. It's perfectly curable. Still, I hope you see why I couldn't face Linda directly with
10: I guess you did the right thing. I do understand why you wouldn't confess this to her.
5: I very much
10: appreciate it. How about another drink? Why not? Bartender? Another round? Yeah. Monogamy is a tough row to hoe. Yeah. Wait. What do you mean? Oh, (laughs) don't get me wrong. Linda is spectacular, but... There are women you marry, and there are women you don't marry. And I love them all. From the sound of it, that's something we both understand. This last comment made the rest easy.
5: After we'd had a few more drinks, I invited him to look at the city lights from the top of the parking garage where the car was. A seven-story garage, which was only half a block away from the bar.
10: You know, there's not really much to see in this neighborhood.
5: I don't have time to see much else. Maybe there's something more interesting on the alley side.
10: No, there's nothing there.
5: I just want to take a look. You don't have to come along.
10: As long as I'm up here. Oh, yeah, look at this. What? What am I looking at here? Right down there.
5: (laughs) I think there's a body down there. Talk about your retro causality.
10: What? What are you even talking about? I don't Where, see a body down there.
5: Right below us. Lean over the rail. There you go. See it now?
10: I still don't see a body down Hey, what are you... Let go of my legs. This for cheating on Linda. What are you... Cheating? You're the one who... T- I never cheated. But you would have. What the... Oh... Hey, don't... Ah!
7: Brent, this... this can't be true. It's
5: true. Then I came back to Boston. I waited. I waited before contacting Linda again. I waited because if I called too soon, hey, I might have made the connection. (laughs) It was about half a year before I made the call. I had to track her down through her family... Because her cell phone wasn't working anymore. Hello? Hi, I'm trying to get in touch with Linda. I wonder if you can help me?
11: May I ask who's calling?
5: My name's Brent. I'm an old friend of hers from Boston.
11: Oh, well... This is Linda's sister. I'm afraid I have some sad news. Linda... passed away. What?! How could...
5: What happened?
11: Were you close to her? Very close. Well... Her fiancé... He committed suicide. That's what was decided anyway, but... No one could ever find a reason why he would kill himself. And Linda couldn't deal with it. So she... Joined him. Joined him? What do you mean? I don't know if I can explain this well. I'm very sorry. Linda committed suicide, too. They say it's called sympathy suicide. Well, but
5: they grew apart.
11: No. They were engaged. She loved him very much.
5: But that can't be how it turns out.
11: Look, I, I'm very sorry. I'm still not over it entirely myself, and I... That's all I can say. I can tell you where she's buried. That's all.
2: That can't be how it turns out.
11: That's all I can say. Goodbye.
5: And this is why I could never marry you, Beth. You're so much better than me.
7: This is crazy, Brent. None of this could have... Are you telling the truth?
5: Yes. I'm telling you this because in six years, you'll be able to stop it all from ever happening. With the light accelerator...
7: But if the light accelerator leads you to this, I can't. I'm not going to keep working on it if this is what it leads to. You
5: have to. Just before I went to the airport, I listened for the buzzer, but it was silent. If you could send back one more message, go to my studio, you'll see how I've got it all set up.
7: Is that why you've hung on to that place all these years? Good lord. lord. You are telling the truth.
5: Send back a message telling me what happens to Linda if I murder the fiancé. Check the studio. All the photos from the future are there. Sometimes I marry you. Sometimes I marry Linda. You'll see. But stop me from going to the airport. Promise me. Oh, look. I promise. I loved you, Beth. But I made a mess
7: of everything. Oh, Brent. Brent? 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 Don't you dare dump all of this on me, then just... friends? Do you... Are there any other secrets? Any other women you didn't marry me for? You... You... Jerk! It's too soon for you to die. You're all I have. Nurse? Nurse? Can I please get some help here? Please? Can someone please help me?
6: Hey, look who's back. It's Dorian Gray. Oh, you look different. Letting your hair grow out? Uh, no, no. I just haven't gotten a cut lately. But you were so spiffy before. Speaking of, any more pictures of yourself from the future? Uh, just a message. But not from me. A few weeks ago I'd been
5: planning to, uh, uh take a trip out west.
6: Uh, but the message convinced me not to go. <laughs> Well, if messages from the future can save us from crummy vacations, then I'm all for it. What was it you drink? Uh, a martini, please. That's right. The perfect martini. Make it however you usually make it. Okay. Hey, whatever happened with that scientist whose picture you took under the stars? The one who flirted with you? But if I remember right, wasn't there someone else? Uh, yeah. Well... Beth, the inventor of the box
5: that will send light back through time, is who sent me the message about not going to California. She added that I'm to stay away from her. And to seek help. (laughs) Inspired by that, I've decided to let go of Linda. Turns out my feelings for her are toxic,
6: shall we say. Well, plenty of other fish in the sea. Nope, not for me. Without Beth or Linda, I end up leading a life of short-term relationships and ultimate loneliness. I've read the future. Huh. Maybe you just need to loosen up some. Maybe you're too much of a perfectionist. Uh, My new church group says trying to be perfect is a kind of pridefulness. But I'm hoping that I've now learned a bit of humility. Humility, huh? So you're a new man? Mm, Working on it. Hmm. Then that prediction of your future might not apply. Maybe you'll meet someone. Here's your martini. Thanks. Well, I'll certainly drink to not knowing what the future
5: holds. So? Be honest. Uh, it's, um... It's not bad, uh, but it, it's not... Good.
6: Fine, give it back. I'll make it your way. Man, some people just cannot be satisfied.
5: Marvelous Boxes, Episode 4, Plotting for Perfection, was written by Tim Prassel and directed by Greg Taylor. In the cast were Juniper Tropowski, Christopher Mott, Kevin Robinson, Clarissa Juneterlandon, Peter Higginson, Andrea Lyons, and Greg Taylor. Join us next time as we catch up with some old friends in another of our Marvelous Boxes. This episode of the Dakota Ring Theater podcast is brought to you by the mystery novel Blackjack Justice by Greg Taylor. Available now in both print and Kindle editions from Amazon.com. And while you're there, complete your Tales of the Red Panda adventure novel series. That's Blackjack Justice and Tales of the Red Panda. Get your copies today.
0: Again, you heard Plotting for Perfection, written by Tim Prassel and produced by Dakota Ring Theater. For more stories and episodes, visit decoderringtheater.com. And before that, you heard the premiere of another MAT feature from 2017, They Slipped the Bonds of Earth by Evan Waters. Congratulations again to the cast and crew of this piece for a fantastic job. And stay tuned next week for our final MAT feature from our 2017 collection. And that's all the time we have for tonight. Keep an eye out on our Facebook page and our webpage at MidnightAudiotheater.com for our announcement of the script writing competition winners of 2018 and all of our audition info for the winning pieces to follow. You can also email us at MidnightAudioTheatre at gmail.com with any questions or comments you might have. Although we will be rushing to get all the audition materials ready this week, so it may take us a little longer to get back to you in the short term. Good luck to everyone, and thank you for tuning in tonight for another round of audio drama. We'll be back again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. I'm Kathy Ranella saying thanks for tuning in. Have a good night, and stick around, because the BBC World News is coming up next.